Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty. Court is now in session. With me is, my, as always, is my co-counsel, my esteemed co-host, the man who, in brightest day and blackest night, you will never find him drinking a Bud Light, Mr. Drew Celestino. Uh, you were pushing your luck with the DC reference there, but you saved it. It was good. It was apropos. <laughs> I knew where I was going. That's you, you stuck the landing, and uh, yeah, that's 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 exactly right. I'm familiar. I can, I can give you the family tree of beers I won't drink, actually, but you know, I, I know basically anything you see advertised on TV. Uh, yeah, anything Drew owned by Anheuser Busch InBev is uh, on the blacklist, and that includes uh, eight and to varying degrees well respected. Uh, craft breweries that they have purchased in the last uh, five years. So, yeah. But Drew, they got a Metallica beer. Yeah. People told you about the Metallica beer. They sure did. Look, even Metallica, even Metallica, as as amazing as they are, and I have a story, uh, even they're not infallible. So, you know. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. So, here we are again, folks. Not gonna lie, folks. We have a big show for you. Gonna be it's gonna be jam packed, but it's gonna be good. We always promise the quality, and I like to think we deliver most of the time. So that being said, let us get into our opening statements. True, how was your week, sir? I'm just gonna go out and like slow cook a sl- no, no, souffle no, or no, something. No. As, this- as insane as it's been, uh, I can keep it uh, fairly tight. And then uh, you're gonna have to give me the skinny on on the on the happenings of your weekend because I know they were yeah, yeah we both we both had pretty uh pretty so, big weekends as I warned you last week I had a big week this week planned so uh, Tuesday I went to uh, see Gojira at the Rapids Theater in Niagara Falls uh, thanks to uh, a good friend of mine Ryan uh, I had a front and center spot uh, for the whole show and it was fantastic nice. Uh, Gojira is amazing, and anyone who, uh, for number one, for, for the geeks out there, they should know that Gojira is the Japanese name of Godzilla, so that's where they got their name from. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, they're really, really good. They're, they're heavy, but they are uh, very, very groove-oriented and hooky, and I think anybody can get into them, even if they're not necessarily into the heavy stuff per se. There's something there that you... They're, they're very unique. Yeah. They're not a typical metal band they have a very interesting sound that is hard to describe can't they, they really are, pinpoint it they're the band i've heard you mention the most second to metallica that would be because they are probably they are the, like my favorite band in the last decade okay by a lot yeah yeah uh hit a point around 2007 ish 0607 i'm ballparking the figures where i was bored with music metal was just like boring the crap out of me i didn't like anything that was coming out i didn't like any of the bands that were doing stuff i was just like you know i think i'm is this what getting old feels like is this when i start sounding like my father and then i found gojira by accident actually i went to see machine head who was my other one of my other most favorite bands ever and uh, lo and behold, one of the openers was gojira a band i had heard the name before but never saw or never heard and they blew me away. So the next day I got home and I did all the, the, the researches on the internets and I bought all their CDs that they had at the time and I've been on the train ever since. Nice. And uh, yeah. And when I saw them on a, a one-off show in Brooklyn um, on the tour for the album that followed the one that I saw them on that first time, 
they had a headlining show in Brooklyn. I had to be there. And when I watched them on that, on that, that show, they looked. Did you ever see Metallica live? Uh, I can't say the word. The Binge and Purge box set that you have right there. Did you ever see the Seattle 89 video from that? No. Okay, it's a classic. It's a landmark home video. Basically, Metallica in 1989, like when they were at their absolute fiercest, hungriest, we are taking over the world, just wait, we are one step from becoming the kings of all things. Yeah, it's right before the Black Album. Yep. So, Gojira looked like that to me. Cool. I, look, I looked at them and I said, that, that's, that is what they are poised to become. And now 10 years later, they are one of the biggest and most successful metal bands going today. And they've basically grinded it out in a very unconventional fashion. They're from France. Like, they, they had their own record label. They produced all their own stuff. They did not get signed to a major label until, like, they, they were already 15 years into their career. So, watching them rise has been really cool. Anyway, show was fantastic. For some reason, Randy Blythe from Lamb, Lamb of God was there. But he wasn't performing. He was just on tour with them taking photographs. And rocking out in the photo pit, which was kind of funny. So he's like taking pictures and then headbanging and like getting into it while he takes pictures. Weird. Really? Very unexpected. Um, so that was fantastic. Uh, great show. Gojira is amazing. Check him out. Uh, then that dovetails into uh, the weekend, essentially. So Thursday after work, I get home, pack up. Depart for Providence, Rhode Island, where uh, my friend and listener uh, Chris Taylor li- uh, lives. And we are staying there because on Friday, the following day, uh, myself, uh, my guitar player Jason, and our friend Joe and Chris, we all went to see uh, Metallica at in the Den of the Beast, <laughs> Foxborough Stadium. Uh, and yeah, it was excellent. Most Excellent. How does it rate against past Metallica shows you've seen? Very, very highly. Maybe in the top. It might be in the top. Not the top, but in the top. What is the top? Uh, if I had to rank all 14, that would be really difficult for me. because I'd just have, asking I'd have for to, the best. I'd have to really... The, the best was the one in November that I saw them in the Opera House. Oh, the the smaller... The small... When I was this yeah. close from me to you to James Hetfield? Yeah. yeah. That, that show is the, that. The, the tops. But in terms of uh, show shows, like, because that was an intimate special yeah, show. Yeah. This was a show. It's it's up there, dude. It was up there. Uh, they Seeing a show of that scale and the production value that goes into it is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Like, that stage takes days to set up they have two of them one's here they perform on one there's another one somewhere else getting set up to be played the next weekend and all that makes sense it's mammoth it's a 200 foot high video several video boards and it's like the whole backdrop there's no roof on it like it's just this gigantic tower of of sight and sound and it's amazing um and performance wise they were really 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 good and I've been to a couple dud shows where they were like just good enough. This was like no, no, they were on nice and um, yeah. And I've uh, been watching the uh, the live videos on YouTube that they've been releasing like roughly one per show. Yeah, and they uh, have the guys who mixed the album, the new album, Hardwired. Yeah, are mixing the live downloads or live releases because they they do every show and they sell every show 
online. Whoever did the album is now doing those mixes for the, the, the download stuff. And oh my God, it sounds amazing. Like they've done the whole show download thing for like 14 years now, roughly since the yeah. St. Anger tour. In those early days, those mixes were not good. And even as, even as, as, as back as like, I don't know, a few years ago, the mixes were kind of just like just okay. Soundboard, quick EQ, release it, right? Now they're like, sure. they're like live album quality every single show they play now. And it's, it's awesome. So, nice. yeah. So, six hour drive there, six hour drive back. Um, happy to report my uh, external battery. Uh, powered by Nintendo Switch to 100% for the entire drive both ways. Remember what I said about battery life not really being a big deal? Yeah, because you had to spend extra money to buy a power pack. And like I said to you, most people already have one for their phones. So it all worked out. As I said it would. Mm -hmm. So Hyrule's this much closer to being saved, but um, I'm over the 120-hour mark and it's still not quite saved yet. No, what are you, you, a 10% game completion? Probably. I wonder if it's gonna. I wonder if it tracks that actually. Like your completion for items, is, it's, it's gonna be like you know oh five percent. Like oh my god, what what happened? It's it's kind of like um, I don't know. You never had a PlayStation two, so you probably never. I did. You I did? did? Yes, I did. Okay. Did you ever get into Gran Turismo? I don't do car games. Okay. So, so no. my friend uh, Jim and I in college were big into Gran Turismo, and oh god, you gave that game so much, it gave you so little. Because it had like a percentage completion. So we would start a session and be like, you are at 13% complete. Like nine races later, two hours later, you are at 13.7% complete. Yeah. You bastard. Games are crazy nowadays, man. After Zelda, I might need, I need like a breather. Just like no game. I told you you're gonna. No games for like six months until Red Dead 2 comes out. Oh, okay. Board games. Board games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So anyway, I got back, and I was tempted to go, I was really tempted, I was really tempted to go to the ESW show uh, in Tonawanda, because Pentagon Jr. was there. Seattle, Maddo. Yep. But uh, unfortunately, I had to, you know, be a responsible adult and actually spend time with my wife, who did not, did not see me in like a week at that point, so. Yeah. You know, you know. Happy wife, happy life. So they say. Unhappy wife. Godless, painful, soul-sucking existence of agony. Wow. I love you, honey. Sure. Um, anyway, um, Sunday, I uh, went to... Um, Sunday. What did I do Sunday? You were brew day. brewing. Had a brew day. Oh, my yeah. God. Thank you for bringing me back there. Had a brew day with my buddy Colin. Um, we're brewing a uh, big, bad IPA uh, called the Meltzer Driver IPA. Um, we are, uh, hoping to enter into the Niagara County homebrew contest and we're hoping to win. So let's, uh, let's cross those fingers that it turns out good. I think it will, but you never know. Sometimes the, the brewing arts can, the brewing gods giveth and the booth, the brewing gods taketh away sometimes. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Okay. Now I know you name your brews after Metallica songs. Have you ever thought to like name your brews after Nintendo theme stuff? It depends. Um, my personal recipes are named after Metallica songs. Doctor um, Lights Ale, something like that. Um, but because because this is a collaboration between me and Colin, it's not a Metallica song. So it's oh. it's the Melter Driver, which is the finisher of the Young Bucks. So Alrighty. yeah, um, but it just sounds cool. The Melter yeah. Driver IPA. It sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so we did that. I went to see my dad. Um, unfortunately, their uh, chocolate lab uh, passed away this week. Oh. So yeah, Sophie. She's a little older than Emma, 
so we've kind of I've kind of grown up you yeah. know we've seen her grow up and unfortunately she got cancer and she's been hanging in there for a while but I guess this week she took a turn for the worse and this is like their uh, my 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 dad my stepmom is her first dog um, not my dad's first dog but it's like the first one he's really raised yeah. and like really really raised and trained and you know yeah so yeah they're taking it pretty hard they're all kind of spaced out over there so you know i felt horrible i've been through it many times unfortunately myself and doesn't really get easier so <sighs> catching up though um bringing us to yesterday uh monday night uh i, I you know what i watched a three-hour raw in 45 minutes and i don't feel like i missed anything <laughs> but i also watched nxt takeover from saturday oh my yeah oh my excellent body slams were had excellent show nxt is easily the best product that wwe has and uh yeah just an excellent excellent show best one they've done in a while because takeovers like they're they don't do monthly pay-per-views they kind of do quarterly ones yeah and the last couple might have been a little soft this one was like no no we're back now don't we have, we've had some roster turnover but trust us we know what we're doing oh boy good show very good show nice and here we are today. Yay. How was your week? I told you I'd try and keep that tight. No, no, you, you, that, that was good. You, you spoke uh, surprisingly less on the Metallica show than I expected you to. Um, it, dude, it was... It was, it I mean, was Metallica. I could, okay, do you want me to throw all the Pats fans under the bus for the next 20 minutes? I can do that. <laughs> from Pats fans from the Metallica show? Dude, it was at Foxborough, so like... No. It, go right. Pats! Every five minutes. Go Pats! Middle of the song. Go Pats! Like, oh my God, please just shut up. Please shut up. You've yeah. won enough. Stop. And um, Gillette Stadium, for the record, is, is nice, but it's not as nice as you might think it is. Like, it's not like a palace. It's just a football stadium. Yeah. I mean, there's... I well, for all the crap that, like... You know, everyone likes, oh, the Ralph is a dump, or New Era Field is because, or the Nerf now is it's, well, SB, I mean, SB, it's, SB, it's like the, it's the Ralph not, is a dump, but I mean. It's not as dumpy as you think it is, I'll tell you, based on what I've saw. Where, where Gillette Stadium does uh, beat it, though, the outside facilities, so like attached directly adjacent to the stadium, is like a sprawling courtyard and shopping area complex hmm. of like restaurants and bars and shopping yeah. and, and stores and stuff so they got a whole like thing going down there and i could see that being like very attractive and it's glitzy you know beers are nine dollars in these bars you know that kind of that kind yeah, of thing yeah. but uh it's a football stadium though it's a it's a football stadium that's a, that is, i mean there's only so much you could do with a football stadium yeah yeah so tell the nfl that because they're, they're trying to get the bills to you know fleece Erie County for money to build a new well building. I mean so, we know. do need a new stadium one on the waterfront's gonna pretty much solve 95% of the city's problems yeah no no that's not how stadiums work but we'll be paying for it for the rest of our lives so yeah. get, get ready for that bill to come yeah anyway I digress the show was excellent dude I got five new songs from the new record I can't I couldn't have asked for much more some people are kind of like well didn't you want to hear these old ones like uh, other shows look at this set list they played a couple of these old ones like dude you know what I've heard those live before. Ben, I got a checklist. I got I got a bucket list. I got five new songs. Got to get those ones in. Nice. That's where it's at for me right now. Alrighty. Yeah. Whew. Oh, and Volbeat is terrible. By the way, okay. Volbeat is the worst. The worst. 
well, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. They're not the Who? worst, but they are not good. Who would win in a fight? Go on. Volbeat or Voltron? Voltron. Okay. Handily. All right, just I just want to make oh, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's the defender of the universe. We got we got to make sure. And unlike Volbeat, Voltron is metal. Word. Literally. Word. See? Yeah. Yeah, it's, they, they, they're just lame sauce. But at least I didn't have to suffer through Event Sevenfold, so I, they didn't play that show for some reason. So it all worked out for me, kind, kind of. If Gojira would have opened, Gojira's opening freaking West Coast shows on this tour for Metallica. Couldn't they come over here? No. <sighs> anyway, it was awesome. So I'm done. Your week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I get to go. You dragged, you dragged the Metallica talk out of me. So. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay, so my week. A uh, big weekend. Uh, sure was. Yes. Where to begin? I got to play a lot of X-Wing this weekend. Okay. I was very All happy right. about that. Uh, my friend Adam, who uh, sent us in questions a couple shows ago and actually has questions this show. All right. Um, his uh, lovely wife, Molly, was out of town. So he was like, dude, I'm free Friday night and Saturday night. I'm like, okay, let's get some X-Wing going. And I won every match. Look at you. I've, at at now, one was, point... Was this a fluke or... Did, did you soundly out-strategize? The, uh, there were times where I, I outflew him and got him into like bad spots. Um, but I, and all the board game and everything we've done, I've never seen anyone go on such a bad dice-rolling streak. <laughs> like, the force was clearly with me. <laughs> because at one point, he rolled three critical hits which was like the best possible role he could have. Yeah. And I rolled three of eights, which totally canceled out his role. I it just, I felt bad. Don't feel bad for winning. It was kind of, it was kind of like, it was kind of like the kid in that episode of the Simpsons. Stop, stop. He's already <laughs> dead. So yeah, but it was a lot of fun. So I got to do that. That was Friday night and Saturday night. Saturday yeah. was Nickel City Con. Sure was. Uh, Julie and I took the, the young lad to his first Comic-Con, which I'm sure he's not going to remember. And it was a really great show. Um, it hasn't been a full year since the last Nickel City Con, but they've definitely made a lot of improvements. Um, spoilers, folks. We have a guest on the show, and uh, he's he had uh, some parts to play Nickel City Con, and he'll talk about that. Uh, the it was great. Like at one point, and it it never occurred to me to to do something about it after the fact. But like Alan and I were walking around, we passed the video game angry video game nerds, ah! table, and there was no one talking to him. He's just sitting I would have just chilling. hung out with him all day. I know. I know. I get weird around famous people. It's not that famous. Well, well, I still. Yeah, I know. It's it, there's still so there's still a stigma I have about guests at cons about going up to them and being like, "Hi." Is something a, is something like circusy sh- sideshow attraction about it a little bit. Well, you don't want to be a creeper either. Yeah, no, I know. I have so related to that. Maybe how about how you feel at the Gojira show. Uh, really, my we're going friend, back to your stuff. Real quick, just it's related. 
like there's this there's this dude and my friend Ryan Point was like, see this guy over here, he might be a bigger Metallica fan than you. Immediately, I'm like, yeah, right. So I look over and you know he's, he's like, you said he see him like you know 25 times, and I'm like, well, that's nice. It must be nice to have that kind of disposable income in in time. And he's like, yeah, he was here for the Gojira show before the meet and greet, even before the the VIP meet and greet, and like he just he, then he was in Montreal like last week, and he's seen him like 40 times. So he's one of those dudes who has apparently money to burn and time, yeah. and he's going to go to all these shows. Now, granted, when I was a teenager, maybe this would be my dream, but the more I think about it, no, it wouldn't be. This is terrible. You just go to every show and like try and hang out with the band. Being in a band, at first, I'd be like, hey, cool, man. I'm, I appreciate your support. Eventually, it's like, dude, Six and seven times. Get, like- get a life. Like You're creeping me out now. <laughs> I, you're kind of weird, and you're not like going to be my friend or anything. You're just a dude here to see my band. Go go away. Go away. Yeah. And you don't want to be that guy with the angry video game nerd. No. No. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, the show's really, really good. Best, single best cosplay of the show. All due respect to our guest. Single best cosplay of the show was a guy who came across dressed as Johnny Ringo from Tombstone. You sent me the picture. And I was like, is Johnny Ringo? It looked like someone just walked over his grave. How many people actually got it besides you? I would have asked him. Like, I, does I, anyone really know what you're doing? Because I know what you're doing and it's big ups. freaking great. Yeah. I didn't ask him that. I got a picture with him. Um, the layout of the show was, I think, much better than the last one. There was more space to move around. And they had, like, much more stuff in there. Cool. Um, the The only thing, and this isn't specific to Nickel City Con. This is just the modern con in general. You know, it's really exciting that we get, like, you know, Sam Jones and Billy D. Williams and William Shatner here yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And it'd be really cool to meet them. But 50 bucks to get an autograph from Billy D. Williams? Look, like Billy D. got to eat. I know, no, I know <laughs> Billy D. has to eat. But here's the thing, like, and I'm not 100% sure on this, so don't quote me on this. But I think the way it works for big-name guests like that is they have an appearance fee. Yes, the con promoters pay the appearance fee. Uh, someone mentioned to me who is... Like, you don't got to get specific. It's in, probably private no, information. Well, I mean, you know, it's we're talking big money. Okay. Like low-end car purchases. Yeah. I think hey, it, I could see that. Okay. I think Mark Hamill's like $20,000. I could see that easily. Yeah. Sure. So I think what happens is the con promoters pay the appearance fee and then they recoup the appearance fee through the like the autograph fees and whatnot. Oh, so the autograph fees don't go directly to the I guess again, don't quote me. I don't know for sure. I'm actually gonna look into see how it works. But if that's the way it works, okay, like I get that. You know, you wanna you don't wanna throw out that kind of cash and say, Okay, our ticket prices are gonna make up for this. Though I will say this was a very well attended con. So I hear uh, Verge, uh, who was on our show last week, posted on her Facebook page that they estimate uh, roughly ten thousand people. Cool. Like the line was around the convention center. It was just really awesome. Um, but just going back to that, like, I think if I would be willing to pay more money for a ticket if there were some free options available mm. for meeting celebrities. Sure. Like, okay, for free you can get an autograph with you know, one or two pre-selected items. Anything beyond that, like if you want to bring something to get signed or if you want like the photo op and the mean greet, that stuff costs money. Okay. But just like a, a basic 
Because I would have really loved to meet Billy D. Williams and Sam Jones, but I didn't want to pay what would have been told ninety dollars. Yeah. Well, that, that that this is what got me at the Young Bucks and Kenny uh, Kenny Omega appearance. I yeah. was like, you know, I love them to death, but a hundred bucks to get a picture with them. It's it's something like, especially when after you're married and you have a kid and you got to think about you know real life. Yeah, that that money can. I mean, that's a lot of X wing ships. Ninety dollars. That's one way to look at it. Sure. I have an addiction. Leave me alone. I didn't say um, it. You brought it up. So, yeah, but the con was great. They did a great job. It was really enjoyable. Um, I met Alan there. We bummed around for a bit. Um, didn't really make any purchases. That's my problem at cons, too. There was stuff that, well, at the last Nickel City Con, <laughs> at the last Nickel City Con, I was like, I'm running out of money. Mm. This one, I was just like, there's cool stuff, but nothing that I really want to kind of like spend the money on. Well, again, you're a year into parenthood and... Yeah, my barometer you know, now is kind of... If I see something cool that I would like to purchase, I ask myself, okay, if I purchase this now, in three years, is this item going to be like in a well-lit, displayable area, or am I going to be annoyed at having to find a place for it while it's collecting dust? Yep. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at right now. I understand. Um, so yeah, that was Saturday. And then Saturday night was more X-Wing. Um, Sunday was kind of a chill day. We did some browsing for appliances, hashtag boring adult stuff. That's okay. Appliances are fun. Yeah. You're going to use those. Stove. Unlike and, the yeah, Comic-Con stove and, uh Stove and dishwasher. Yeah. Um, and then Sunday night. Last night was actually... No. Yeah. Sunday night just kind of chilled out. Last night was rough. William started teething. Oh, boy. And it's one of the back ones, one of the molars, so it can't cut its way through the skin. It's going to push. Yeah. Yeah. So many screams were had. Much sleep was not had by me. Um, But I also watched a documentary on uh, Amazon Prime. I don't think it's a new documentary, but it's definitely recent. It was called The... uh, the Image Revolution. I wanted to watch that. That's from the guys at Sequart who did the Grant Morrison documentary, which was fantastic. Those yeah. guys are good. It was really good. Yeah? It was really like they kind of take it from its inception to when, you know, the five, six guys split off from, yeah. from Marvel and DC. I would like to watch that. It's really good. I it's would love to watch that. It's definitely worth a watch. And after watching it, like, I don't mind Rob Liefeld as much anymore. <laughs> Wow. Because a lot of it is like you see that, you know, he was a 25-year-old kid. Yeah. Given a huge world of responsibility that he just wasn't mature enough to handle at the time. No. So, or even now. <laughs> no, he's he's gotten a lot better. So I'm, not, yeah. I'm not about to go out and, like, throw down money on, you know, old Liefeld issues and try and hunt down. A, it wouldn't cost too much. They're all in the quarter bin. Yeah, I know. Um. So, yeah, but it's definitely... A really good documentary. I'd highly recommend it. Cool. That was my week. All right. I'm pretty sure was that my week. Yeah, that was my week. We're caught up. Double checking my notes. Dear listener, if you would like to tell us about your week, send us questions, comments, inquiries. You can find us at the following social media locations. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's Due Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod. You can email us 
at the devil's do pod at gmail.com or you can find all these resources at our website the devil's do podcast.com that being said drew it is time and it's gonna be a beefy one. Oh dear for some cross-examination now before we get to the cross-examination yeah i believe our guest has been patient he has been yeah dealing with our week here yes our, our both our massive weeks ladies and gentlemen is it working to be like a legitimate podcast here three weeks in a row we've had guests on legitimate yeah legitimate ish air quotes ish <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have on our show this week, Mr. Brian Stoyle. Said the last name right? Awesome. <laughs> Getting better from our last... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Stoyle here is a member of the Northridge Star Wars cosplaying group. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an actor. He is a, <laughs> a an artist in, in many ways. Um, and we've got a uh, we've got some fun little announcements that we'll get to later, and we're here to talk to him about that stuff, and you know some Star Wars stuff in general. So that being said, Brian, welcome to the courtroom. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's uh, really fun uh, being here after listening for a bunch of weeks now. Sorry to sequester you for so long. <laughs> we, now we brought you into the courtroom here. No, so that's okay. We have to stand up <laughs> protocol. That's right. So, so Brian's gonna can jump in for for the rest of the show. Um, he does have, as they say in the industry, a hard out when uh, when we get to the episode. So, all right, so we don't have him for the whole show, but he will he will grace us with his presence for as long as he can. All right, I didn't do my homework for the episode. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. cardinal sin! That's I know. Okay. I apologize. It's quite all right. Yeah. All right, so this question, this group of questions actually came in last week from my friend Adam that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, he says, Carl and Drew, I figured I would give this whole asking questions thing a whirl again. Carl. Make it good. What is one sport or activity? What is one sport or activity could you beat, you could beat Drew in? Oh. Street Fighter. I don't know. We've, we've had some good matches. Really? In Street Fighter 2? I think we went. Pretty much 50-50 last time we played here. No, we didn't. Super Nintendo? Yeah, I think we did, yeah, actually. I, I, we can resolve that after this is done if you want, because no. I, you have a very different memory than <laughs> I do regarding this Street Fighter night. Now, four, I would concede. You would hand me my, my buttocks. Um, Sounds like you guys need to settle this oh, over uh, Game of Street Fighter. Oh, uh, Sir. I'm uh, retired. Okay. Um, all <laughs> I know what happened. Sir, <laughs> sir, all of them you will concede. Nah, um, okay. What is one supporter activity that Drew could beat Carl in? Apparently, apparently not Street Fighter. <laughs> no. No, it happened, but... Um, hmm. I'm not really good at sports or anything, so... Playing the guitar. Is that a contest? Sure. Any Mortal Kombat game. How about that? There you go. I don't think so, but since... Uh, well, you already lied about Street Fighter, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I acquiesce to you on a lot of things, sir. On this, I will not move from my position. Okay, but I I remember us playing, and I'm pretty sure we went pretty much 50-50. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. All right. Okay, uh, both of you. Would be curious to know what are your top three movies of all time? Oh God, really? You can't do your top three? My top Ooh, three is easy. I, I like a lot of movies, man. Um, boy, 
No, I, I my top three is uh, Star Wars, the original, mm. uh, The Crow, mm-hmm. and Casablanca. Man, I couldn't rattle that off that quickly. There's so many. Uh, Brian, top three while Drew's thinking? I got two. I'm not sure about a third. Uh, Back to the Future and Return of the Jedi. See, I, I would put those up, and I can't do a top. I could do like a like a like a I could do a list. I don't of, think he's asking in order. He's just like you know. Oh wow! Top top of my head, I can give you ten probably, but like uh, Empire. Uh, uh, um, it's so hard. I feel like I'm leaving stuff out. Godfather one and two. Uh, Goodfellas. Uh, the Prestige. Uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Uh, I mean, list goes on, man. Uh, Ghostbusters for sure. Ooh, yes. Uh, back to the future. Yeah, Back to the Future. One and two. I didn't like three as much. One and two are, are really good, though. Uh, which indie flick do you want here? I, I, Raiders. I think I think we got the. It's, I can't the rank like that. There's just it's so many good so many good movies. <laughs> I love movies a lot. As do we all. Um. And then there's a question for each of us. Drew. Yes. What is the most anticipated release coming out for the Switch? For Ooh. Well, I would at this point I would have to say uh probably Mario Odyssey. That's like that's Nintendo's chosen big gun for the holidays, and I'm sure it's going to be a, awesome. a blockbuster and I'm sure it's going to be great. But I but for me, I don't know. I think I think Splatoon 2 is really the one to to watch cuz I feel like Splatoon 1 <coughs> was a new Nintendo IP, and it was very popular. It was one of the most popular games for the Wii U, a console that not a lot of people had, but the game itself had yeah. a ton of buzz. People, I, people loved I, it. I played it over here, and it was a great game. Right. People really liked it. Given the success of the Switch, and it's more you know, more successful than the Wii U already, I think Splatoon 2 is going to be a big, big game for Nintendo. And I would definitely uh, put it on your calendar and buy it and enjoy it, because it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a whole fresh take on shooters, and it's got charm galore, and it's a fun game. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, question for me. Did you like my Jar Jar Binks profile picture on Facebook? No, I did not. And now I no longer feel bad about trouncing your sorry butt in X-Wing. You got the roles you deserve, sir. All right. Those are the questions from Adam. Adam, thank you very much. Uh, now, questions from our friend in Staten Island, Mr. Emanuel Marin. Oh, I got an announcement for him, too. Oh, okay. Let's let's get the question first. Then. All right. Carl Drew, I've long felt that while DC is awful in the movies, they seem to do a halfway decent job on the small screen. Sure With that do. in mind, any thoughts on the decision to not include Black Lightning in the Arrowverse? I don't watch these shows, so I don't I don't like have a particularly like strong take on it. But to me, it does seem a little weird. And it, it really and, does. Why, why? Why not? I I don't get it. This is like the first thing they've done with the television shows. That I'm just kind of like reeks of a decision that the movies would make. Yeah, because uh, wh- the trailer, and we're going to get to that in our our news spoiler trailer looks freaking awesome. Hmm. And that's to be expected from the the DC you know CW shows. Um, I, I it's confusing. I don't understand why they're doing it, but at the same time, it's not to say that it won't be in the future because yeah. they the Supergirl multiverse, was supposed to kind of be not part of it too, right? Then eventually they just said, you know what? No, we're doing it. But the multiverse is a thing in the show. Okay, so it's, it's full on. Like there's Earth two. They've traveled to it, and whatnot. Jay Garrick and everything. So they could find a way. Yeah. 
They can do it. All right. It's possible it happen in the future. It, it is a weird... It, it is a little suspect, though. That it's like, no, we're not doing it that way. Yeah. Why? I, just, I don't get it. <clears throat> On the topic of good actors getting stuck with bad scripts, mm. I like to think that Thomas Jane could have been a decent punisher. Any thoughts on his short, dirty laundry? Yeah, I've seen it. It's okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's all right. Punisher ish. It's Punisher ish. I think like I've watched it, and my problem with it is like he waits way too long for to like take some action. Yeah, like there's a woman being accosted outside. He just he's just kind of like ignoring it until yeah. finally Frank's, no no Frank's, Frank would just Frank's go deal with things that. real quick. So it's okay if he wants to play it again. I get it, but like. Dude, don't pine. Like you're looking, you're coming off desperate, and John Bern, John Bernthal's your daddy now. Yeah, so he's, yeah. sorry. He's oh god. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah. after this week's episode. Uh-huh. Uh huh. His last question is: When are we getting another Devil's Brew segment? Um, I mean, kind of had a pseudo one. I gave you a little. Quickie. We do, we do need to get back into Devil's Brew and Devil's Stew. I have stories. Okay, so. Um, soon. How about that? Yes, we'll, we'll get to. We'll, we'll get back to that. When will then be now? Soon. An announcement for Manny and for any of our uh uh New York City area listeners as well. By the way, probably should have brought it up earlier, but I can safely talk about it now. So thanks for reminding me, Manny. Uh, the Long Cold Dark, my band, will be making our Brooklyn debut on July twenty first, uh, at the Knitting Factory. So, y'all been told, New York City, so I want to see you all there at the Knitting Factory on July 21st. Do not let me down. This is a big deal for me. Come on out to the show. I promise that we're really good. And so is the band that is is graciously inviting us to join them on stage, this band called Ikelia. Uh, They're really good. They're a national act. Nice guys. And we're having them here in Buffalo the week prior, and they graciously invited us to play with them in Brooklyn, and we are doing so. So... Gonna be cool. Manny, maybe I'll see you there. Awesome. Now on to the Riggs and Murtaugh of the Devil's Do. Oh dear. Mr. J. Jell Semino, Mr. Alan Waiters. It's kind of literal too. <laughs> First off, Jay. I'm not splitting my questions up this week because I really want your personal answers on all of these. He says that and then he has a question for just you at the end of it. Okay, I accept this. <laughs> Carl and Drew, if you were putting on a con what are your top four guests you would choose, and who would you dress as? A, a Devil's Due Con. Wow. Court Con? Court Con. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I would have to say we get num- number one. Number one? Yeah. Okay. No. No. Again, I'm bad. I'm bad at rankings. So yeah. Yeah. Spur off the cuff. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, Alex Maleev, Ed Brubaker. Um, if he's alive, Frank Miller. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I saw you cringe. It's, it's a coin toss. I saw so. you. With, depending on which Frank shows up. Um, Joe Quesada. No, Graham Morrison. He didn't write Daredevil. Well, I, we're putting on a con. Oh, jeez. Okay. I was keeping it, you know, show pertinent. But if we're just talking uh, con in general, yeah, Grant Morrison's my, my rock star for the weekend. He's, yeah. he's my big get. He doesn't do a whole ton of appearances that I can tell. He does San Diego once in a while, but that's about it. So He had a, he had a quick snippet in the documentary. Cool. All right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, he's my guest of honor for the weekend at uh, at at my con, yeah. sir. Um, that aside, psh, the ones I mentioned, I, I'd I'd go big on comic guests. I want I want creators there. Well, since you're covering the comic guests, I'll cover the the other media guests. Um, hmm, give me Kevin Conroy, Paul Dini. We could probably do a sweet panel together. Yeah. Uh, Yoshinori Ono, who's kind of like the producer of Street Fighter, and Danny Trejo. Okay. If we're throwing game guests in, uh, get me Shigeru Miyamoto immediately. And um, on a personal note, I say uh, if you could also get um, um, Joel Hodgson uh, from Mystery Science Theater, that would be fun for me as well. I'm going to have Hideo Kojima just to piss you off. Oh, boy. The conversations <laughs> you can have with Hideo Kojima, I'm sure. Okay, Jay's next question. Giving the passing of Powers Booth and Bill Paxton. Uh, who from Tombstone do we need to protect next? Kurt Russell. Note... Kurt Russell is fine since he's okay. Is since he is indestructible, <laughs> and Michael Bean has Sean Beam status, where he's died so many times in movies that he is immortal in real life. Well, I think he's also preserved in alcohol in real life too. So, um, a- allegedly, based on some con photos I've seen of him, <laughs> um, uh, Sam Elliott. We need to protect Sam Elliott. I think the Grim Reaper is afraid of Sam. He Elliott. should be. Yeah, he he absolutely should be. I don't think Jason Priestley needs a little protection. No, <laughs> no. So you're saying Jason Priestley is the one we trip while getting Sam Elliott away from? Oh the Grim yeah. Reaper? Oh yeah. All right, take him. <laughs> Run, Sam. Take Beverly Hills now, too. That's man. right. Uh, all right. Yeah. No. I, yeah, you're right. No, Sam Elliott definitely. Yeah. All right. Um, Drew. Yeah. What is slash was your favorite wrestler accessory? Animals included. Animals included. My favorite wrestler accessory. Um, Even though I am deathly afraid of snakes. So am I. Jake the Snake has the ultimate wrestling accessory. He does. That was, I mean, he threw a snake on a guy. That's true. It's, it's kind of spooky, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to go old school only because it had probably more in-ring appearances than the snake. I'm going to go with Jimmy Hart's megaphone. Okay. Because that's just, you can't picture Jimmy Hart without the megaphone. No, no, it's kind of a big deal. It's just, it's classic. Sure. Always weirded me out when he became Hulk Hogan's manager. I'm like, this, this doesn't. All along in real life, you didn't know, but they were like best friends. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. But just when they decided to... Because uh, Jimmy was it. the heel manager all those years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's weird. So, thank you, Jay. Now on to Mr. Alan Waiters. Yeah, Alan. Fresh, yeah, from, Alan. fresh from his Vegas excursion. Yeah, I got some details about that Vegas I excursion. I got a few yesterday too. myself. <laughs> yeah. Carl and Drew, what is the wildest thing you have done in your life that See, he's can getting, he's getting be talked ba- about on air? <laughs> He's all fired up from Vegas now. He said, Carl, tell Drew that Bro Day does not count for this question. Bro Day's not that wild. That wildest I t- thing you've done. Wildest thing I've done that I can talk about. Oh, boy. Um, Dude, I'm pretty... Yeah. I've lived I'm, a real sheltered life. 
I can not I, exciting. No, me neither. The wildest thing I've done, I can I can actually talk about. Just kids, don't don't do what I did, or 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 rather, if you're amongst oh, friends, what? No, no, you go. Oh, okay, if you're amongst friends and and you're you know when to stop yourself, do do what I did. Uh, don't do what Johnny don't does. <laughs> <laughs> Good pull. <laughs> the. the a night that will live on in infamy, uh, 1999, January 30th. Cast your minds back. What's that? Cast your minds back. Yeah, a little bit. Um, January 30th, 1999, night before New Year's Eve. No, I'm sorry. December 30th, 1999. Boy, I'm, I'm okay. Get to the story. Getting there. <laughs> Setting the scene. Me and some friends uh, took a trip to Flint, Michigan to see Metallica on New Year's Eve. Turn of the millennium. Uh, the night before, we had a hotel, a two a two level hotel room suite in Flint. So two levels. Yeah. Master bed upstairs. Pull out couch and bedroom downstairs. Ceiling fan. The be- the master bed upstairs overlooked the downstairs. Well, we got really hammered, and I mean, we had a night of just going berserk. Playing loud rock and roll in the hotel room and, and drinking and making acting a fool. And at a certain point, one of us realized that ceiling fan was there. <laughs> so, did, did you ever see that Beavis and Butthead where they're in the burger world? <laughs> Drew versus gravity. No, no. But remember when they they uh you know they had the, the, the they they had the ceiling fan at Burger World. Yep, and they just start the chucking stuff at it. Well, we kind of reenacted that, and we just started throwing stuff at the ceiling fan to see what would happen, and then we had a whole, we had two big bags of, of these really generic uh, uh, sandwich cookies, not Oreos, but Oreo, generic Oreos, Yeah, different flavors. Yeah, yeah. Individual cookies exploded on impact in the ceiling fan. So, two bags of cookies made their way into the ceiling fan over the course of the evening, Eventually, a pizza box, which which went flying uh, very far, actually. Um, I think I think a the, one of the plants, a big plant that was in the hotel room, got elevated into the ceiling fan at a certain point. Uh, um, a, a couch was tackled. No one jumped out of the of the room into the pool. Fortunately, that would have been rough, and no one threw a TV out the window, even though we did think about it. But um, due to the cookies. Uh, the next day, or by the end of the night, or when we woke up and came to, the floor of this hotel was that of a sandy beach. <laughs> 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 and hangovers were had, and then we went to the Metallic show and everything was, was right with the world, but um, for a night, that was quite quite the adventure. So, um, that's the wildest thing I can think of, and it's not all that wild, but that's the, that's the wildest thing I can think of now, that is show appropriate so right. uh do that kids throw things at a ceiling fan it's fun when you don't have to clean it up it's the best <laughs> <laughs> we tip we, we left a generous tip to the housekeeping staff by the way good <laughs> so again i'm a boring person uh wildest thing i ever did that i could think of would have been when i was working at regal cinemas oh dear yep oh dear um, this is involved this is a, this it all involve a popcorn bucket no. Okay. No. Doesn't involve a high speed pursuit though. 
Ooh. Um, so it was like a weekday night, which is mostly dead at the theater, even in the summertime. Um, and I was working there with my friend Nick. And it just so happened that we were out on the main lobby, just kind of sweeping up and whatnot. All of a sudden, these, we hear, like, one of our friends from down the hall say, grab him. And these two kids come bolting out of the theater. And we're like, what the heck's going on? Our friend, our friend Sherman comes out like, they're theater hopping. Grab them. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah. And so we, we ran after him. Now, for those of you who have seen me, I'm not built for speed nor agility. Um, and at the time, you know, Nick was faster than me, but, you know, didn't care as much. Uh, so we we got out to the parking lot. We saw him walking away, and they kind of give it, gave us the single-finger salute. And at that point, I was like, my car's over there. You want to go chase him down? <laughs> <laughs> Nick was like, yes. So we got my car, and we proceeded to chase them into the next parking lot over like shooting right across elmwood totally disregarding you guys take traffic this, this and whatnot. theater hopping seriously we were bored oh, okay well it's fair so what if they had a gun though no these oh. kids that this is before elmwood regal is a place where you would suspect someone had a gun this could happen anywhere um it's america man everyone's got a gun yeah so we we chased them down in the parking lot, and just as we were about to catch up to them, they hopped the fence. Yeah. I was willing to chase them in the car. I was not willing to ram my car through a fence. That would have been so baller if you did, though. Really would have been. They would have crapped their pants had you tore through that fence. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine that visual. Like yeah. an action movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That was uh, that was my lame excuse for the wildest thing I've ever done. It's not bad. It's boring, good. Like I said, I'm a boring person. All right, so that brings cross-examination to an end. Time to open up the case files. Ha! Yes. These could be better. You know, ups and downs. Strikes and gutters. Again, for a second week in a row, we have to start on... We'll start on the down notes and bring it it back. Uh, Today was announced that uh, Roger Moore, the third James Bond... And I believe Bond for seven movies, six or seven movies, uh, passed away at age 89. Sad. This is the first sad. Bond actor to die, too, yes. right? Yeah. We've lo- I, I did double check with a friend of mine who's a, who's a Bond expert, mm-hmm. and he said, yeah, George Lazenby is I still was just going to say. Yeah, because he never here. He didn't like do much beyond. Right. He was the one-timer. Yeah. 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 So, yeah he wasn't even really an actor. He was just a model who just kind of looked pretty and that was yeah. like the reason they chose him after sean connery yep wow yeah that's it that's really like the reason was, all right it was the 70s man they didn't so that's the, right the bar was that low you look good but yeah, i'm sure yeah okay i i will finally i mean obviously you will always be remembered as james bond but mm-hmm. i will fondly remember roger moore from his fantastic performance in cannonball run where he played someone who believed he was Roger Moore <laughs> and just like camped it up. It's fantastic. All right. And I've never saw it. Oh, I know. It ticks me off. Okay. Um, it was announced yesterday that 
Zack Snyder would be leaving uh, the Justice League production and Joss Whedon would be taking over. Now, when uh, I saw that headline, I want to put this out there. Mm-hmm. Dear internet sites who write headlines, when you write that headline, you are asking for what you are uh, 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 putting in the headline and then what you are saying in the body of the of the yeah. why you are really misleading people. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the headlines were like that. So, um, so let's clarify. Yeah, typically you would hear this headline and think that we would be rejoicing and regaling at this. Um, unfortunately, the reason he is leaving is because his daughter committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I said in our posts, um, we tease and we make fun of him a lot, but at the end of the day, we're all human beings. So definitely... Our thoughts, our prayers, our condolences go out to the Snyder family, and we hope that, you know, as as good as they can get in this time, that they they get there. Um, so yeah, that's really that that sucks. And it, it, yeah. it's it's kind of amazing that it, I guess it happened in March, and, yeah. and he didn't say any. Like I didn't even know he had kids to begin with. So like kept it quiet and tried to work through it, I guess. Yeah. And eventually just, dude, walk away. You know, yeah. there is no, there, no one's going to hold, no one's going to hold that, that against you. Um, I think next week we'll talk about what this could mean for the movie. Sure. Why it just feels a little like, no, I don't want to get into it's not the right time. No, let, let that kind of go. We'll, we'll get into that next week. We got more bad news too. <laughs> Alan just sent this our way. Oh, uh, if any of uh, any of our clerks fans like we all are, uh, unfortunately, uh, Lisa Spoonauer has died at 44. She played Caitlin Bree. Really? Caitlin. What oh. happened? Um, Nothing disclosed earlier. I don't have any details as to how she passed away, but 44 years old and um, she is survived by a husband and daughter. Oh, so that's wow. a real bummer, man. That, that's like, you know, someone told the Grim Reaper that he could never do better than 2016, and now he's just like, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, yeah. That's, yeah. We're off that to sucks. a lovely start this year, I'll tell you. Yeah. All right, so on to more lighter fare. As we mentioned earlier, this week CW dropped the Black Lightning trailer. Did I know it's not your your jam normally? But did you watch it at all? I did not. I've heard it. I've heard everyone say it looks great. His costume looks off the page. Cool. You watched it? I know. I Ryan. did watch the trailer. Yeah, Would I think it looks th- really great. Yeah. Yeah. Are, do you watch the the CW show? I am pretty familiar with the CW verse. Yeah. I actually have a friend, Justin Monk, who uh, started off as a cosplayer, who now works in the leather shop in Vancouver nice. for them. Uh, he actually got to help with the design of the future Flash costume uh, from uh, the recent cool. episode of The Flash and a few things for Supergirl and what have you. So um, he likes sending, you know, yeah. uh, just like brief updates of like non-spoilery versions of what he's working on. Like, hey, be sure to check this out whenever it goes on, you know, what have you. So uh, it's really cool to see. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a shame like this show's not being included with the yeah. other because uh, like it's just and it's really they're taking a really interesting take on it because is it like he's like a retired yeah superhero he's, a, he's, he's coming back? it's very non formulaic from 
like the C that the CW shows have done with their characters, which are you know as great as the shows are, they're all very young and very yeah, pretty. Right, right, right. It, it's a retire. It's kind of like you know the Dark Knight Returns of Black Lightning. So he's retired. He's a principal. He's got kids, and then you know just through circumstances finds himself having to be Black Lightning again. Cool. And it's just like the visuals look great. The costume looks great. I'm really excited about the show. Yeah. All right. So that was out. Um, and here's here's one thing of, of DC films we will mention because it's really freaking frustrating. They released a picture this week of Amber Heard as Mara. Okay. And it looks fantastic. All right. Because clearly they haven't drained out the color yet. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. looks off the page well it's going to be nice and dark and black before they get done with it so don't get too excited yeah you you see it and you're just you're like why why aren't you here i got the the article here that i sent you earlier that you clearly didn't read yeah there it is i did read that i did see the picture it does look great I'd be shocked if it looks like that in the final product. Oh, it's not going to look like that in the final product. There's way too much color. Desaturate. Yeah. yeah that's well, is that her in uh, Justice League or is that her in the Aquaman movie? That's her in Aquaman. Well, we don't know if they're going to color correct that one to death yet. Well, that one is... It's not directed by Zack Snyder. No, that that's one of the two post-Snyder-influenced okay. films, that and Wonder Woman. So, so we'll mm-hmm. see about that. Uh, quick nitpick on Wonder Woman. I hear it's doing. I heard it's good, so I'm yeah. Everything curious, I've heard is really positive. curious how it's how it's going to be. The bar is low, so I mean, all it's got to do is be better than <laughs> you know these other films. And it's like, hey, a win, good. You need some positive buzz yeah. right now over there. Um, I saw that poster of her holding the tank. That's pretty awesome. Looks great. Problem. That tank is not era appropriate for the war that she's in in that movie, nor is it for the right countries that she would have been fighting. <laughs> Oops. That. Oops! As my, as folks, he might <laughs> One drive, step forward. He might, he might drive you nuts back. with with uh, his constant hating of DC. But I gotta give him credit when he's right. He's right. Here's the thing: I didn't notice. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. The, I'm not well actually guy here right now. Well, actually, that's not me today. Which is funny because you were kind of well actually. I thought it week. looked cool. And I was like, oh, it looks awesome. That was, that's a that's a cool poster. And I read some comments, and, went, and then people pointed out that nope. Oops. Yeah. Wrong era yeah. tank. So is it a World War II tank instead of a World War I? That's correct. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well. It we, does look cool, though. It's a, yeah. It's a very cool poster. It's just, yeah. It's not quite accurate. That's all. What, That's uh, all. What, how are you feeling, Wonder Woman? What do you think? I'm... <laughs> no, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I really want it to succeed. Yeah. I think that we're due for a female-led superhero movie for a long time now. And yes. Gal Gadot was one of the best parts of a really crappy movie in Batman yes. v Superman. They nailed the look and feel mm-hmm. of Wonder Woman. Absolutely. That and that's movie. one of the things, like, for all the criticisms for Zack Snyder, like, look and feel, he gets usually pretty well. You know, story, yeah. pacing, characterization, yeah, what have you. Again, you know, that's, you know, only on a professional sense, not he with can, his personal he can life. He put but a gorgeous picture on the screen. Absolutely. It's just... 
tone is so off. Yes, for exactly. The characters that yeah. he's doing. What do you call it? The murder verse? Is it, that that's the common? <laughs> I didn't coin that term, but again, okay. that's that's in in the comment parlance and comment sections. Mm-hmm. It is the murder verse. Yeah. yeah, but I had to laugh at the reviews too because they're saying like it's the best DC movie so far, and like you just said, the bar's so low. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not. That's like being the valedictorian of summer school. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's good. I like that. Yeah. That's I mean, good. you know, it's, it, I hope it's better than that. But that's the thing. Like we go into DC movies with like the ad with the attitude of please don't suck please don't yeah. suck where you go to a well, marvel movie nowadays you know with at least an mcu movie and, and you're, you're like, like yes how bad could this be right. like if is it worse than iron man 2 then it's still gonna be pretty okay <laughs> you <Yeah>. know like <laughs> it's it's a very different like approach to these universes so far and i hope they can kind of right the ship as it were yeah i mean we've said for all the mocking we do we also say that we want the dc films to be good totally. yes because i would love for them to be good Competition breeds quality. I've seen what what no competition does in wrestling, and it it ain't good. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Let's get a little Monday Night War action happening at the box office here and, uh, you know, make, make, make it fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Make Marvel respond to a little, a little kick in the pants, exactly. you know? Exactly. Totally. Because right now they could just be like, yeah, Iron Fist sucked, but, you know. What are you going to do about yeah. it, essentially? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yep. Okay. Totes. So, for our last news item... We go to a bit of casting news. Apparently, Tom Hardy is on a quest to play every comic book villain that was popular in the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> as he has been cast as Venom in Sony's upcoming standalone, why, why are you doing this, Sony? Venom picture. Because it's a recognizable character... And they can make money on it. Oh, and it's not going to tie into Marvel's Spider-Man at all. Why would it? (sighs) Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know. Like, I get like, okay, whatever. Tom Hardy, yay! He's going to do what? What Bond actor is he going to impersonate this time (laughs) to play Venom? Maybe he'll do a Roger Moore instead of Sean Connery. (laughs) Tribute. I'm Roger Moore. Um, but. Yeah, whatever. Venom is Venom's dependent on Spider-Man. So if Spider-Man yeah. is not in the movie, okay, we're already off to a rocky start. Mm-hmm. And number two, like, at what point is Tom Holland Spider-Man showing up? Is he showing up at all? Yeah, he's not gonna. Well, then what are we doing exactly? And they're and they're t- I hear them talking like we're gonna make Silver Sable movie. It's like no one cares about Silver Sable. Mm-hmm. No one. To be fair, though, that's kind of the kind of obscure character that they can kind of pluck, and because people don't know the character, they can potentially make a good movie out of that. It's possible, but I don't think it's going to be what they probably think it's going to yeah. be. Like if they're banking on that to like you know be a tentpole or something, like yeah. your little Spider Manless Spider Man verse. Uh, no. So let me ask you this. Uh huh. If Venom was going to be in a Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider Man film with Spider Man, yeah. what would you think of this casting? Uh, I'm not really a Tom Hardy guy. Okay. So I don't have much of a reaction. It's okay. Sure. Could I'm worse, could I'm better? He's a name and he's an intense guy. So I'm sure he'll bring something to the role, but I just don't have much of a read on like, oh, yeah, it's perfect that he brought. Is it? I don't know exactly. Yeah. 
it's fine. He's a big name. People seem to really like the guy, so I mean, it's going to get some attention on it. But yeah. like, mm-hmm. I don't have really any affinity for Venom. He's a cool visual, but he's not really a character I care about. You know what I mean? Like, he was he was a good enough character to stick. Sure, like the symbiote. Not completely. I'm like the symbiote. No. <laughs> so, what do you think of the casting? I like the casting. I just hate everything else I'm hearing about the production. Yeah. Like, why is this not sticking with the MCU? We were all celebrating when Sony said, we're going to lend Spider-Man back and produce Homecoming under the auspices of the you know the, the uh, MCU. And now it's like, well, that was good for about two movies, and now we're going to go back and make our own thing. Yeah. Which, I mean, you guys remember the Sony hack that happened a year and a half, two years ago, and yeah. they kind of released, like, oh, yeah, we're going to make Aunt May the movie. That's exciting. You know? Like, well, what if you were make they- with Marissa Tomei. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, yeah. No, but it's just, I mean, like... I'd I, watch that movie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I just, even before this happened, like, I remember watching, I was in New York City when Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out, and I remember yeah. watching that and getting to the climactic fight right before the... The, uh, the Gwen Stacy uh, moment, and I'm sitting there watching this huge battle and going, I don't care what happens, because none of it mattered to me. You know, it's like the sure. time investment yep. spent on these two movies that were really made to keep the rights more than anything else. Then, See, I think you know? ultimately that's, that's going to be their problem, yeah. because I think everyone kind of knows, even like non, I mean, not everybody, but people that generate buzz. Mm-hmm. That buzz is hindered by the fact that everyone just is kind of aware that's like, this is just kind of, this just only exists so you guys have an excuse to like deprive us of something better. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that stinks. So why should I get excited? I don't want this to succeed. I'd rather it fail and I'd rather you give it back to the people that can make it succeed. As weird as that sounds, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. It sucks, though, because they were getting along for two movies. Like, they were actually, like, going to do something that's going to print money and be celebrated for once, as opposed to, all they can do is lose by this, you know? It's like, great, you're in the MCU, that's what we all wanted. Well, we're not doing it that anymore, and then the fan outrage is going to come back. Well, they're still doing it. Like, yeah. Spider-Man himself is still walking between both worlds, mm-hmm. but anything outside of him showing up in Avengers is not in the Avengers and the MCU at all. Right. So I, I, I get it's kind of, I don't know, whatever. Here's, here's the smartest thing Sony could have done because they're already doing an animated Spider-Man film with Miles Morales. Yeah. Build that Spider-Man universe. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, Peter Parker, he's with Marvel. We've got Miles Morales. We're going to build a world around him. Sure. Just do that. I think uh, why not, why aren't I running a studio? You're All not going to like this. Gold. You're not going to like this, but this is actually this was reported uh, when Marvel um, signed the rights over the movie rights to Sony for Spider Man. Their mandate, part of the deal, Spider Man has to be Peter Parker, and he's got to be white. It's in writing. That's yeah. what happens when you do that right after the Clone Saga. More, more, and more. Things this is you learn and documentaries you watch. Mm-hmm. You may love the characters, but the way Marvel and DC decide to do business is pretty. Business is, is business. very very contradictory to the spirit of their characters. Yeah, yeah, that's business. Business sucks. 
Yeah, well, no, business is good, and that's the problem. Well, yeah, that, that's what I mean. From, yeah. a, from an ethical and moral standpoint, business sucks. Yeah, and that's why whenever nice. I hear people say, well, it's just business. And like, well, you know, you got to do what's right for business. And I always, people that say things like that, as if it's just totally self-justifying, that's bull crap. Yeah. That's, your, that's, that, yeah. 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 That's a way to, that's a way to hand wave. We're going to do something really horrible and unethical, but hey, it's business, so you'll be okay with it. Yep. So yeah, that's my thoughts on business. Mara, Bet oh. you didn't know you were getting that today. <laughs> ethic lessons with Drew. <laughs> he does have a heart. <laughs> no, no, he has ethics. We didn't say anything about a heart. <laughs> let's, Touché, let's sir. Pump the brakes there, little brother. Um, also, just really quickly, I just remembered they also announced uh, Marvel's Lego Marvel Superheroes Two. Okay. Not a hint of an X Men or Fantastic Four character in the Spider Man twenty ninety nine, Doctor Strange, Groot Rocket, All Front Center. No, no. shocked. I tell no. you, shocked. Talked. All right, so that does it for the case files. Let's sit down and talk with our guests. Let's courthouse. Brian, as we mentioned, you are heavily involved in the Northridge crew. Why don't you give us yes. a little, give us some history of the Northridge crew and tell, sure. us, tell us what you guys are all about. Absolutely. Uh, the Northridge was founded in Buffalo in 2002. Uh, back during that time, during the prequel heyday and pre-Facebook and what have you, uh, a lot of fan communities were more website-based because, you know, you didn't have, like, social media. So yeah. uh, the, North Grid, the Northridge is a chapter of what was called FanForce, which was fan clubs that were regionally, locally based through the web forums of TheForce.net, one of the largest yeah. fan websites, especially back in that day. And it's still very prominent today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the FanForce concept <laughs> as a whole... Um, a lot of chapters have since kind of, you know, died down, gone away, or transformed into other things, uh, where the Northridge has been kicking very strong, and it's usually just us and I think the FanForce chapter in Denver that have, like, really held on and become active and long-standing FanForce chapters, uh, nationally in the United States, anyway. Now, that's not to say that I couldn't sprout back up again, but, you know, yeah. we've been going strong since the start, basically, which has been really cool. Uh, I joined in 2003, right after my first year in college. I uh, just wanted to meet more local nerds. And uh, at the time, I was one of the youngest people in the group. I was like 19, and everyone else was kind of like 25, 30, or older, or what have you. But it's really nice because you have this broad array of fans who are multi-generational, um, come from very different backgrounds, very different um, you know, jobs and interests and what have you. But there's that one thing that really brings people together in some way or another, and that's fandom. You know, yeah. Star Wars in this case, but, you know, uh, like many fan groups, whatever their fandom of choice is, you know, you bring all those people from backgrounds together. Uh, we're actually, surprisingly, not exclusively a cosplay group. We are a Star Wars fan club, first and foremost, but all of our public presentations tend to be through some form of cosplay. So it's uh, what we're known for uh, around here, which is totally fine. And it's something that we really enjoy because, you know, like a lot of other groups, we do it for charity. We uh, raise money for uh, most charities. Our usual charity is Compass House, a uh, halfway house for um, uh, kids and teens who are having trouble at home or are having uh, domestic violence problems or what have you like that. It's a safe space. And I know that's a very uh, politically charged phrase the last few years. But for this demographic, it could not be more important or necessary for the minors who, you know, can't go out on their own in a legal sense to, you know, take care of themselves. They've got somewhere they can go 
at three in the morning or, you know, if they really just need to get away from home for a, a couple hours or a couple of days or what have you. Um, so we've raised a lot of money for them over the years and, uh, you know, other charities as well. If another charity wants to work with us, we're happy to help with those things in addition. But uh, we like to use our nerd powers for good, as I like to say. So, yeah, uh, cosplay is one of the biggest things. We've seen a lot on um, the Buffalo area. Um, our biggest event would be the Buffalo Bison Star Wars Night every summer. Uh, we also do things like Clarence Winterfest, uh, different walks for charities, uh, Nickel City Con, which we were just at this yep. past weekend, and um, anywhere else that uh, people would like to see some Star Wars atmosphere added to their event. Nice. Yeah. What um now I mean obviously you see a lot of people in costumes at shows or whatnot. Sure. What I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this, it may sound condescending, but it's not How intended dare you? to be. I know. <laughs> what what sets a cosplayer above someone who just kind of throws a slapdash costume together mm-hmm. for a show? Sure. Like where's because there's there's people who dress up and then there are cosplayers. Yeah, it, it's actually kind of funny, like because I got into this before cosplay was really like a phrase here, or at least you know yeah. in the zeitgeist that it is now. And like I was pretty resistant to calling myself a cosplayer for a long time because a lot of what I did was through a group like the Northridge, you know. So I really looked at it as it's costuming because it's for a charitable purpose, you know. Whereas I always saw cosplay as going to a con, dressing up, having fun, and it being. Not in a negative sense, but inherently selfish. Like, it's for your enjoyment as an artist, for the creation of it, and the enjoyment of going to con, getting, you know, photos or what have you. And not, like, selfish in a bad way, but it's, like, it's for your own personal enjoyment, where what we did was, there was elements of that, but more so, like, for a, a different purpose, I guess, yep. you know? So, I mean, for us, it's more so about doing good stuff for our community, but obviously the enjoyment of cosplay is certainly there also. Um, I think that with groups like this, because obviously, you know, we get a lot of comparisons with things like the 501st Legion or the Rebel Legion, which are the major international cosplay groups for Star Wars characters. You know, they have very um, uh, strict standards for all their costumes to make them as movie accurate as possible. We don't go that far, but we still have some basic standards of does it look like somebody would recognize it from 10 or 20 feet away in a crowd, you know? Uh, So, you know, we don't. You can't Let, buy your pos- costume at Party City. Right, exactly. Or no bathrobe Jedi, as they like to call them, you know? So, <laughs> things like that. And um, I prefer to call them comfortable Jedi. <laughs> that's right. Casual Friday Jedi. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we try to keep it as an authentic Star Wars experience while not necessarily adhering to the people who are as restrictive with the 501st. And that's not to say anything against the 501st or the Rebel Legions. We actually have a lot of members that are 501st members and are Rebel Legion members, and their costumes are top-notch. But we do allow people a little bit of an easier access of entry, in a sense, for people. Yeah. So if they find something online or if they assemble something themselves, you know, and they just want to do good for their community, they're always welcome. And honestly, like with our group, a costume's not required because we do more than just the cosplay aspect. But, you know, uh, a lot of people tend to find their way into the costume at some point or another just being around us. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You know what I always think is really cool when I see in a, a cosplayer? It's the one thing that always, like, gets me... It's such a small thing, too, mm-hmm. is when a stormtrooper has the speakers. Yeah. <laughs> and they got mm-hmm. the little click 
before and after they start talking. <laughs> is that in the 501st manual, how to do that, or is that an extra? That is actually, uh, well, pretty much when you get to 501st level, you have a couple of, you have a lot of resources with groups like this. That's probably one of the other differences between us and, like, cosplayers just kind of, I don't want to say slumming it, because that's a very uh, condescending uh, tone about it. But, like, doing your own thing versus having a communal resource, let's say. Um, with things like the 501st, you know, there there are web forums and groups and what have you where you can look up what other people have done, mm-hmm. you know, and there are a lot of speakers you can buy on like eBay or Amazon and what have you that uh, come recommended by people who have gone through them already, yeah. you know, and said, this sounds really good. This fits in my helmet very well. I can't fit this as well as two or three fans in my Stormtrooper helmet, but if you modify it like so, then it could work or what have you, you know, or, uh, you know, you could wear it on your belt if you put a box around it or put it in the grenade thing on the back of the Stormtrooper arm you know so it comes with a lot of perks of like tips of people who have gone through before but yes the radios are really cool and i actually i have a very cheap version for uh, a mandalorian costume i built a couple years ago they're fun nice cool yeah so what uh because i've seen you in numerous events yes and i've seen you in, in different different roles what, what characters are in your portfolio sure uh star wars specific for northridge um i have generally played some version of luke skywalker since about 2004 okay. uh, it started with uh, a new hope tatooine farm boy luke when i was you know in and right out of college and that uh morphed into x-wing pilot luke and uh then i was lucky enough to acquire enough scratch when museum replicas had the license for costumes and i got the return of the jedi ensemble so i was return of the jedi luke for many years and uh for this summer uh for the bison star wars night i'm gonna be debuting a force awakens luke since uh now i am more beardly than i used to be (laughs) yeah yeah i'm guessing you were pretty jazzed when you saw the beard on him i yeah i'm like wow i can keep going the way i've been going and i've got 30 years to grow into this cosplay you know it's like (laughs) every year instead of being like tatooine luke we're like every year i get a year away from being like reasonable able to pull <laughs> off the costume now i'm like when you're closer to perfection all right <laughs> now we just gotta do something about that hand <laughs> <laughs> you got you got a hacksaw in the garage don't you? I, I do actually yeah right. yeah well yeah oh you guys were going that way you went really literal oh dear <laughs> we're just trying to help you out no i appreciate that we've got yeah. some duct tape we've got some neosporin we've watched enough <laughs> er you'll be fine oh okay all right um let's i God, i just had something in my head uh the the past couple shows you've been uh the his name escapes me uh the pilot from rogue one yes the general uh well a member of that squadron yeah i'm not specifically going for the leader of blue squadron but i i really liked the blue squadron jumpsuits you know and it's the guy uh, with a bully mustache yeah that mustache is beautiful oh man that thing is majestic but yeah, the uh, I, I mean, I've been doing an X-Wing pilot uh, costume for many years, and I really loved the Rogue Squadron, uh, or the Rogue One Blue Squadron uniforms, because it's the same X-Wing getup, but a different flight suit. Yeah. And blue's my favorite color, and I'm just like, this works so well, like, I need yeah. to do this, so, you know. So, yeah, you guys, um, right before we started, you showed me a picture of a... <laughs> incredible project you guys are working on are you yes. allowed to talk about this or yeah no we're, it's it's out in the public now so okay yes so for star wars night this year the bisons have commissioned members of the Northridge, led by the very talented daniel reynolds to build a life-size jabba the hut that so will be awesome. present during buffalo bison star wars night this year wow yeah 
Will there be? But will it be piloted by people inside of it? Like, how will it work? I don't think piloting is a word that I've heard in relation to Java before. That's Oof. interesting. Yeah, piloting Java. Um, yes, we actually are building it as a puppet. Uh, wow. Daniel spent a lot of time uh, researching how they built the actual puppet for Return of the Jedi. Uh, you know, sizing, dimensions, all that stuff, and details, and what have you. So. We have been building it as close to scale as we can do with, you know, a much more modest budget than Industrial Light and Magic tends well, to have. Yeah. But um, we have been building this since uh, you're, January. You're also so. building it for real, which yeah, is something that. Industrial yeah, Light Magic hasn't done in most recent years. <laughs> Will you have a Salacious Crumb puppet to go with it? We have Salacious Crumb. Stock just went up. Yeah. <laughs> So, Brian, uh, this this is really cool. Uh, Bison Star Wars Night sounds really fun. Who who else is going to be at Bison Star Wars Night? I've heard a rumor that we have two wonderful podcast hosts of a little something called The Devil's Do hanging out at Buffalo Bison Star Wars Night this year. Well, 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 you rebel scum. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't put enough, like, drip into that. You rebel scum. I, ooh, he's sassy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, folks. Cool, man. We, we can officially announce that we are going to be part of uh, the Star Wars night. So if you want to meet us, come on out. Uh, we're going to try and have, you know check our social medias for what we look like. Uh, we're more than happy to sign autographs. And <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Will you sign my yeah. iPhone? I download the podcast onto my iPhone. I'll right happily there. sign your iPhone. Nice. I might smash your iPhone, oh. but I'll sign it first. Drew, Man, that, that's such that's a, not, a mixed bag. That, that doesn't help us grow the, the listenership. <laughs> true. You've lost a listener in the most literal fashion there. Well, wait, maybe. If, if you smash a listener's iPhone, that listener stays a fan, then that listener is the type of fan that you were describing earlier that you don't want. It's possible. You're right. Yeah, you're right. When you're right, you're right. By the sixth iPhone, you're like, get out of here, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're saying I got some leeway. You got, you got a little bit. You got a little bit of a buffer zone. <laughs> okay. I'm okay with this. This works. Yep. Cool. Uh, dates, times. It is Saturday, June third. The gates open at five o'clock. I believe we have a meet and greet for several fans at four o'clock. The game starts at six o five. And the Northridge will be present for photo ops uh, throughout the game until about the seventh inning. And during the game, we have uh, several video episodes of a storyline this year for a story called Convergence, which will culminate with a live lightsaber combat show on the field, including uh, more video and fireworks after the game. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. And, Star Wars uh, Night's a big deal for the Bisons. Yeah. It's, 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 it's probably one of the most popular games to attend every single year. It's yeah. become their highest seller. Like, I remember go. the year That's we awesome. beat out like Independence Eve, and they were like, I can't believe it. Star Wars beat everything. <laughs> it's, it's Star Wars. It's yeah. Star Wars, man. And it, uh, they it, do superhero yes, too, right? Yes, they do. Yeah, I actually I helped the with superhero the... Superhero Alliance. Yeah, I actually that. helped with the first year of uh, Superhero Night before the Superhero Alliance really formalized. And... Uh, we got that up and running, and now the Superhero Alliance is t- in. Uh, it's in good hands with them, and they're taking it off nice. and uh, doing a great job with, with it as well. Yes, well, we'll they usually get... have Daredevil cosplayers there. See, so. we can. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk to them. Yeah. yeah, 
So, yeah, folks, we're going to be there. Um, we might have a table there. It's kind of not quite sure about that yet, but we're definitely going to be there. We hope to see you there. Uh, stop by and check out the Northridge. Again, everything they do is for charity. Um, it, they're a really great group. They're always entertaining. They're always so gracious with taking pictures and everything. Uh, they've got uh, some really high-quality uh, costumes in their repertoire. You've got a, a fantastic Chewbacca. Yes, thank you. Uh, you've yeah, got, he's awesome. You've got a, an episode for Princess Leia that's just spot on. Mm-hmm. You guys have an R2-D2, don't you? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We yeah, have a uh, remote-controlled R2-D2 astromech droid rolling around. No little people were harmed in the making of your R2-D2. No, he is uh, 100% robotic. <laughs> okay, cool. This time. Uh, <laughs> we learn I'm, from our mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, but the mission inside yeah. of me has a our, our member, uh, John, actually spent four years building his r2d2 wow yeah that's dedication and that was before he ever knew like the group existed what's the uh what's the price tag if you want to build your own r2 unit ballpark i, I think that's probably about four portions of a human soul Alrighty. yeah somewhere around there no it's um it depends how robust you want to do it i mean they make it easier for things today because they actually offer um I don't know if you guys saw Sideshow Collectibles just made yeah, like yeah. an R2-D2 statue that you could display in your house for about 1200 bucks. You can make a modest R2-D2 that probably doesn't have a whole lot of bells and whistles, uh, both literally and figuratively, um, for a couple hundred bucks, uh, especially now that 3D printing is so prevalent. But yeah. if you want to go into like accurate you know, robotics and having you know, pieces move as they were, were in the movies and what have you, you're probably looking well over you know, one or two grand, depending on your setup. I can only imagine how much the demise of Radio Shack has hindered those. We have Amazon. Oh, we have Amazon fine. now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sorry, we've got we've got the business out of the way. Uh, let's just really quickly before we let you go, you know, talk talk a little bit of Star Wars. Sure. What? Uh, obviously, Last Jedi is coming out. Yes, we've seen trailer mm-hmm. thoughts. What do you What do you think? I'm what, excited. What are you for hoping Last for? What do you What would you want, What do you want to see? Just kind of. I hope Luke Skywalker stays alive first and foremost. <laughs> God <laughs> yes, know. please. No, Luke's Luke's my boy. So I will. Uh, I will like whenever they do that. If they do that in eight or nine, I know I'm going to just lose my lose my cool. Oh, I was fast. ugly crying when Han. Died. Oh yeah, I yeah. Was in the theater, I was, and I knew it was going to happen. Yep, I was yep. just like, <laughs> all you Han fanboys who had that moment in the last movie, that's going to be me when Luke bites it. Whenever that may come, I, I would know it. certainly hope that, given that you know. Harrison Ford wanted out and got his way. Yeah. So Han's dead. Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher is unfortunately no longer with us. So mm-hmm. they're probably going to have to hand wave her death off screen mm-hmm. or something. Luke, you're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Where have I heard? Don't that die, before? buddy. They can't kill Luke. I mean, no, come on, no. give us something. I know. Mark Hamill's such a joy too. You don't want that not available for yeah. your for your movie set. Come on now. He like just. I mean the stuff they've released of things he's done he's done with the Omaze and whatnot. He is the the standard bearer for the franchise. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. he's the one that carries the flag and and you know reciprocates as, in the best ways possible. Since again we don't have yeah. uh, carry with us anymore. And, um, and the, Harrison the, doesn't the, care. Yeah, Harrison doesn't <laughs> care. The, the the love that's that's shown. He. He seems the most generally appreciative mm-hmm. of it. 
Yeah. Well, he knows where his bread is buttered. So. Yeah. Well, he's also a fan too. Like he was going to Comic Con before Star Wars even happened. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just as a fan, like no, he he's... seems very, very cool. He's yeah. one of us. Like, oh, absolutely. I, I feel yeah. He's one of us. Yeah. I'm like, excited for Ryan Johnson too. Like I really am yeah. pumped. Like I remember, like the day after Disney bought Star Wars in 2012, there was a podcast that was out, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, it's possible you get all these directors' takes on Star Wars now." And Looper had like just come out that year. And people were like, what would a Ryan Johnson Star Wars be like? And like everybody was like, that's the most exciting thing I've heard. Yeah. And it's like now it's like, wow, that's going to be part of the saga. Not even one of these offshoot movies. It's yeah. the saga. You know? Did you ever see Looper, Drew? I did not, actually. It's good. Okay. Ask, it's ask like me, really good. Ask me how much I love the movie Looper. How much do you love the movie Looper, Brian? I, Joseph Gordon, love it. <laughs> You're welcome. He's why I haven't seen Looper, so I, ironically. So. <laughs> Listen, you got that G.I. Joe stink on him. Don't. Uh, Listen. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levin got to eat. He gave a Cobra commanding performance, sir. No, no, we don't, we don't go there. With Sometimes the truth. pun just isn't worth it. No, no, I the apologize. pun is not the worth the punch you will get in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you did not see the video of me destroying the DVD with a sword. No, I did not, but I would love to, actually. Yeah, back in a... <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> Back in a previous show Drew had, they did a movie night, and I hosted it, and uh, at the end of it, I had uh, the first G.I. Joe movie on Blu-ray, and I allowed Drew to destroy it. And <sighs> I had to purge some demons, because yeah. that movie broke me in a way that you don't understand. Oh, dear. Yeah. I, no, I'm sorry. I am sorry. You know, uh, I, I thought of something earlier this week that 98% chance it will never happen in The Last Jedi, or any Star Wars movie. The two characters I would love to see appear that are canon that I would love to see appear the most in a film. Triple Zero and BBA or BT BT. Yeah. BT oh yeah. For the Darth Vader comic. Give yes. Me, yes. Give me the homicidal protocol droid <sighs> and the war machine astromech droid. Mm-hmm. Please. Who would I want to voice Triple Zero? Whenever I've read Triple Zero in the comics, I have Matt Smith from Doctor Who in my head. Okay. Just because he's got that, like, propriety that C-3PO would, but you're talking about such terrible things like torture and poison and what have you that, like, that'd be kind of fun to go, like, that dark with somebody who's known for being a little more whimsical. Yeah. Kind of like a David Tennant thing where he was the doctor and then he got to play, you know, Kilgrave and all that, so. Can we just get David Tennant? I'm not going to complain about David Tennant doing anything. You could read the phone book and I'm down. Sure. That would be so awesome. Yeah. Would they have to interrogate someone? Yeah. It'd be so great. Did you, see, <laughs> did you see the Vanity Fair covers they released today? I did, yeah. Did you see them? Oh. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Phasma not having the helmet on? I'm intrigued to see if that's what's going to happen in the movie or not, actually. Well, I mean, they, they, like, they casted her, and then it was like, we don't, don't worry, you're not going to see her at all. Yeah, yeah. So, good, good. She was the Boba Fett of Well, there, I, I think they're really trying to play really Phasma cool more, this movie. Like, you see it with the tie-in stuff. She's got a book coming out, a comic, and yeah. what have you, you know. And, like, even before Force Awakens came out, J.J. said, like, Phasma doesn't do much in this movie, but hopefully she'll catch on, and then, you know, uh, she didn't. And I see so. that uh, 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 Finn is carrying on the tradition of, uh, you know, borrowing someone else's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Poe as well had that, that undershirt. Uh, it was very Han Solo. Yeah, but yeah. Finn is legit just like, hey, Poe, I'm going to wear your clothes. And Lando's like, dude, <laughs> dude I'm still wearing Han's clothes over here. <laughs> okay, sure. 
Sure. Oh, man. That's got Luke looking like Ben. It's just- they don't have Amazon in the galaxy far, far away. You know, you got to... It's shipping is slower. You need something yeah, for a day. Yeah, it's laundry yeah. day. You got to deal. You know. Do uh, do we think Kylo Ren puts the mask back on at all? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Only yeah. for the first couple of minutes. I that because so. that's what's destroyed in the trailer. Is yes, Kylo Ren's it is mask. destroyed. I so. thought it was Vader's. No, no you. If no, you look closer. closely, it's got you, the eye. The, okay, the yeah. eye decoration. Yeah, like the his. chrome ring. Which is the which is weird. Then so if he's gonna go helmetless for the movie. No, you, as an actor, like you see that with all the superhero movies, you know, by the climax, the mask is blown off or ripped off, so the actor can emote better. Yeah, you know? but he worships Grandpa a lot. I well, figure sure. he wants to put the helmet on. And- well, you know, Kylo doesn't have two friends willing to take them out to the garage with hacksaws and neosporin to be dependent on the mask <laughs> for his accurate cosplay. Like I've been offered uh, this fine day. So we are here for you. That's the service we're willing to provide. I did notice something in the Vanity Fair cover with Luke too, by the way, the Luke and Ray cover. Yeah. I did notice that uh, Luke is wearing a glove on his one on his robo hand. Sure. Well, that's just, that but, just makes sense for budgeting. It's yeah. a, it's a Brown glove. Here's why that matters. Okay. Think about the trailer. Remember the trailer? Mm-hmm. Remember the book? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The brown hand, glove yeah. hand on the book pages. Yeah. Little tie in there. Yeah. See? All right. So that means what that means is that Luke has Jedi books that he's found in his travels. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is a little plot stuff. It's important. Then I know. True. We're, we're all excited. Well, Brian, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you very much. Uh, before we let you get out of here, can you tell the people uh, where they can find uh, you, where they can find Northridge in the, the social media verse? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, let's plug the Northridge first because that's what's most important. Uh, you can find the Northridge.com. That's our main website. Uh, you can find all of our social media links and our uh, forums for anyone who might be interested in joining us and what have you. That's the best place to start. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter at The North Ridge and YouTube as well. And we are on Instagram at North Ridge Buffalo. And you could find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BP Stoyle. All righty. Yeah. And uh, before I get out of here, I just want to say a huge thank you both to you guys for uh, having me come on here. And also to Tom Fenzel, who pitched for me to come on in the first place. So yeah. I, do, uh, I do appreciate that very much. The Devil's S- Due Network. That's See, right. listeners, you send in your questions and things happen. That's right. Thank you, Tom. And uh, I hope Colin's enjoying the show. Ooh. All right. There you go. All right. Brian, thank you very much. Of course. We're going to get you out of here so we can get to rustling some papers. Thank you. All right, Drew, uh, we've had our normal show stuff. Now to get to the main course, it's time to rustle them papers. Let's. Daredevil Season 2, Episode 8, Guilty as Sin. Now, Drew, I have next to the title on my notes in parentheses, Game Changer. Okay. Because to me, this episode was a game changer for the season because we, we pivot in this episode from being... Uh, like vigilante localized in an area based story to just seeing how much bigger Matt's world is about to get. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Okay. Yeah. And just like the, the thing that we've been waiting for ever since we saw Nobu (laughs) in season one, as I have in capital letters as my first item, ninjas. I have, What's Drew? What's my first item? It says ninjas. It says ninjas. Uh, we get lots of hand ninjas. Ninjas. Nitpick. 
not red. They're not all red. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, Nobu rocked the all Nobu red. Nobu was off the page. Yeah. But the, 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 the generic hand cannon fodder, they have black with They're, some red. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. All right. It's a, it's a, it's a little thing. We're getting the hand. I'm, yeah, I'm willing to, I'm willing to forego the full red outfit. Yeah. So, and we learn very quickly, Matt can't track the hand. No. The way he can track his normal opponents. He says they have no heartbeats and no breath. That's weird. Yeah. For, you know, people who are walking around doing stuff. But I do have... That's going to come around again at the end of this episode, and I have questions. So, let's get there. Okay? Okay. Yes. Yes. Now, him and Electra are still investigating the giant 40-story deep hole. That's a big freaking hole. It's a big hole. Um, And then they get attacked by the ninjas. And now we're in fighting mode. Now, if I can observe something about the fight here. Yes. Um, Matt, buddy, draw the fight away from the hole. Yeah. You're going to fall. Yeah. <laughs> he has a couple near misses with the hole. Yep. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Walk away from the hole, Matt. That would freak me out because like anytime I'm in a high ledge Whoa, or something like that. Oh, dude. Me and heights. Like, it, you're like, I wouldn't jump, but what if I did? I get really clammy around heights. Yeah. Real bad. Yeah. And that's with railings and stuff. I'm yeah, I'm okay with like secure heights, but like even secure you know, if heights. If I can if I can get over it myself, I'm just like eh. I get a little like you know the CN Tower in Toronto? They got the glass floor? Yeah. <sighs> that takes some effort for me to get on that glass floor, sir. <laughs> I get real nervous. Yeah. And we have the most welcome return of this episode. Stick. Well, someone had to save the day. Yeah, because, you know, Electra was holding her own and then she was about to finish off a hand ninja and Matt tried to stop her and then she got sliced. Well, here's the thing. Slice and dice to use a Dark Knight Returns reference. I mean, look, Matt, I understand the whole no killing policy. I do. I get it, man. But these dudes are Playing for keeps, buddy. You might have to let this go a little. I'm not saying you got to kill anybody, but if Electra's got to take a couple of these dudes out to, you know, get the two of you out of there alive, I don't know. I Matt Matt Matt's Matt is is confronting a lot of his policies in this episode yeah. as well. I don't know. I, I'm not advocating killing because it's Matt's Matt's whole thing is he won't cross that line. But dude, like. You distracting her just got her slashed yeah. across the gut. And uh, another thing that I like that they did throughout this episode is just because just when it's done right, it's such a great visual, is the uh, throwing stars. Oh, so many stars. So many. So many ninja stars. They got jumpy and flippy around them. Uh, it's going to come up later, but I guess I'll just bring it up now because I don't want to forget. But like you know in movies, like guns have infinite ammo? Yeah. That ninja at the end, spoilers, he has, like, infinite ninja stars. Oh, yeah. He just starts throwing them out at will. Haven't you ever played Shinobi? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Just infinite. Yeah. I'm doing the... I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, doing, the hand thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a visual, but you don't have it. But trust me, if you played Shinobi, you know what I'm talking the, about. The bonus stages. That's correct. That's yep. awesome. So... Anyway. Stick shows up. Stick to the rescue, man. Yep. Bills Who was out. his driver? 
We'll say Bob. Bob the driver? Yeah. We'll just call him Bob. Okay, Bob. I don't know who he is. Good looks, Bob. Yeah. He's in we the- got, And we have a ninja chase. We have a ninja chase. Ninjas, like, it's just, when you think about it, yeah, you can say it's kind of generic and whatnot, but just the visuals. Like, ninjas are... Ninjas were to, like, the 80s what zombies are today. Sure. Ninjas were everywhere in the 80s, and they got played out, and they got and they never got quite done right. Do you remember for a little while on the internet, there was the whole uh, uh, ninjas versus pirates yeah, meme? Yeah. And then the Vikings showed up, and then it was Vikings versus pirates versus and ninjas? robots and, and then, zombies. And yeah. Whatever. But ninjas are in that pantheon yeah, of stuff. They are. And it's been a while since we've seen it's been uh, ninjas done properly and we definitely see it in this episode and the the chasing is like because the, there's like you know 20 30 of these guys on foot six firing a crossroad just a crossbow just you know any which way and he's hitting one every time yeah you know, Matt, stick, matt's catching arrows out of the awesome. air yeah and you know later on in the episode we see catching arrows in other parts too yes yes, yes. he does yes he does um now after they get back to Matt's place, which stick leading them back to Matt's place. Is this the right call here? I know we got to save Electra's life. because apparently that she's yeah. got some kind of poison in her and hospitals won't know what to do with it. So stick's going to fix her. But like you're, you're being chased by ninjas. We're going to, we got to go back to your place, Matt. If I'm mad, I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, a couple things with that. Um, it, it appears at first, at least from their perspective, that they've shaken. The okay. Ninjas. All right. Fair enough. Second, like you said, Electra's poison, so you have to go somewhere where you can treat her quickly. Third, strategically thinking, they know Matt's place. Yeah. They know the layout. They know the entrances and egress, and so it doesn't seem to help too much. No, I know. <laughs> given the, what happens later, people, uh, <laughs> you know, we have we have a Ninja Turtles moment where there's the one ninja that you know follows them to their lair. Ah, I see what yeah, you did see, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's you know, I'm going to write the Daredevil Ninja Turtles crossover. Someone has to. Someone, someone should. Someone really should. Yeah. How has this not happened yet? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's so simple. You know, do you realize if it happens now? I'm trying to think back now. I'm trying. I'm going through my memory banks of history but if it would if it were to happen now it would technically be like the first disney nickelodeon crossover yeah which leads me to believe it's uh, not gonna happen (laughs) very unlikely mickey and spongebob don't get along very well Uh, no but the little mermaids the little mermaid and spongebob it's like it it, it writes itself it It writes itself I don't know. So we learn at Matt's place that uh, Stick knows Electra. Yes, he does. And he goes through like all this rigmarole to save Electra and then drops like, you know, she's been through worse. And Matt's like, wait a tick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at this point, Matt's realizing that all these various aspects of his life are kind of intertwined and he's not yeah. handling it very well. Yeah. At the end of this episode, you can argue that Matt has completely lost the Matt Murdock aspect of his life. In a lot of ways. It doesn't look like, you know, Foggy and Karen are 
pissed at him. Yeah. And, like, Foggy, like, wants nothing to do with him. Karen walks in and finds Electra laying in his bed. Yeah. You know. I feel like... Oh, by the way, uh, total uh, jerk move. I have a different word written here. But, uh, stick, buddy. Maybe stall. Maybe distract. Don't just let her in. Stick doesn't care. I know. That's why he's a jerk. Stick, Stick doesn't care. Stick probably sees it as a way to... Yeah, to draw Matt in closer and fight his force. war. But yeah, he lets Karen in and then Karen catches... Yeah. But if I'm mad, I'm like, wait. Now, granted, Karen didn't want to see it, but I'm like, she got sliced open. Yeah. It's not what it looks like. No. She got sliced open by his sword, not by what you're thinking right. of. Right. But no, he plays dumb and... Yeah. He implicates. Well, she puts two and two together. I, yeah, yeah. You can't blame her. I mean, I can't. But Matt could have, like, you know, like, wait, wait, wait. Not, not what you think here. Well, he tried to do that, and she's just like not having. Yeah. It. So yeah. True. 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 Yeah. So we get we get a crossroads not only for Matt in this episode, but also for Electra. Yes, we do. Because we get a. Re- it's just a really. Co- I love the character of Stick. How Scott Glenn portrays him is one of the most enjoyable characters in the series to watch. And just when he's like telling the history of the hand, and Matt's not buying it though. Matt's not buying it, but just it's just such a great scene. Oh, it's 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 excellent. Scott Glenn nails it. Yeah, he he plays the character with such a total, you know. Gruff. Zero FGs. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. And, like, talking about the hand, explaining to him what the chase star, and just, I just love watching character, but obviously we learned that Electro was part of the chase. Yes, that's the group that is opposed to the hand. Yes. One of the groups that it's opposed to the hand, because it'd be... (laughs) That if there's one thing I have figured out in Iron Fist, it's that apparently Iron Fists are supposed to be against the hand, too. Yes. Still, the, uh, still haven't finished that, by the yeah. way. Yeah. I'll, I'll think about it. P- probably. Probably. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so she's been working for Stick all this time. Yeah. And, and she, then Matt doesn't take that well. No, Matt wants, doesn't take that well. The crossroad she comes to is, does she want to continue on with the chase, or does she want to... Be with Matt. Be with Matt, which she clearly wants to be with Matt. She says as much, but as Matt finds out, when they first met, was that real, or was Matt was working destiny, for Stick? Was it destiny, or was I a mission? And she says, you were a mission. Yeah. So what I have here written down is basically, Matt is finding out that his life has kind of been a lie up to this point. Yeah, a lot of aspects of it. So, because um, Electra was like the one, she was the one yeah. that really shaped him in a lot of ways. And, oops, by the way, wasn't real. Not really real anyway. Yeah, and they even, they get we get a glimpse of the possibility of a happy ending for Matt and Electra in this episode. Briefly. And it lasts all of... 30 seconds. Yep. And then Matt catches an arrow through the lung. Yeah. So Electra's on the mend. She kicks Stick out. She tells him, Matt thinks I'm good, and Matt thinks that I'm capable of being yeah. something other than your soldier. Matt can fix me. Matt can fix me. So she boots out Stick. Matt comes back. Yay, you booted out Stick. 
Matt doesn't hear the ninja that has infiltrated his apartment. Now, because, and, now here's okay. So here's the thing. He gets he takes an arrow through the chest. We get a we get we get a fight, a little ninja fight. Matt one on one with some dude with an arrow through the chest. Uh, but he wins. Matt eventually yeah, gets the better of of the ninja. Takes his mask off. He's a kid. Suddenly he hears a heartbeat. But I thought they don't have heartbeats and breath and stuff. How did... What's going on? It may be... Because there's there's one of two explanations from the previous statement that he he doesn't hear a heartbeat and breath. Okay. Uh, One of two things. From the comics, they're sticking to what the hand ninjas are. Which are resurrected foes. Yeah. They're not technically alive. They're kind of zombies. Yeah, they're ninja zombies. But this kid was alive. The other explanation, which is probably more applicable to the show, is that they're taught a masking technique. Okay, I'll buy that. I'm going to have yeah. to because the show kind of contradicts itself here. Yeah, um, but then again, later episodes when, they, when they've when they got a hand ninja on the table, we see, you know... Then I'm more confused then. Stuff. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, but like right before this happens... We get this nice little moment between Matt and Electra where, you know, Matt is has pretty much lost both Foggy and Karen. Which reasons we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, he's he's most likely not going to have his practice anymore. So all he's left with is Electra and yep. a war. And he doesn't really want to be in the war. Yeah, but he realizes that the war has to be fought, but he wants to do it his way. So he says, you know, he says to Electra, I'm willing to give us a chance and I want you to fight this war with me, but it's got to be done my way. And Electra makes what is, in at least the moment, an honest attempt to be a good person, to be a better person than what she is. Sure. And then that all goes away in a decision to slit the ninja's throat. Well, Matt's beating him up and says, tell whoever you work for that I'm coming or whatever. And hell's coming with me and all that. <laughs> uh, and then out of nowhere... Uh, yeah, Electra just shows up, slices the dude's throat right in front of Matt, and, dice. and basically she says, "This is who I am." Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. yeah Sorry, I mean, Matt. Thirty seconds. You couldn't go more than thirty seconds without trying to be a better person. So, yeah. That uh. Can you try not rough. killing someone? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So as a combination of shock and a punctured lung, probably filling up with blood. Yeah. Matt passes out. And so basically and normally you think that's where the credit rolls, but there's a whole other aspect of this shit. This episode we got. To well, let's, to. let's talk about the B story in this episode. Shift over. Let's shift over gears here. We're, so the B story in that it's the B story in the script is by no mean a lesser story. No, no, no. Cause we got to progress the adventures uh, yeah. of the, the, the drama, the trial of the century. Yes. Of Mr. Frank Castle. Yes. Hey, kids, it's Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown shows up. Anytime. Not a prison guard this time, though. No, no, not a prison guard, not Lex Luthor, not, you know, Clancy Brown does a lot of stuff. Not a, not, I, not, a, not a priest in a weird uh, a freak show on the turn of the century, Carnival. I would not be opposed to meeting Clancy Brown at a con if it was a reasonable price. A reasonable price, yeah. sure. I think my I think my limit's like 30 bucks. I, I, that's fair. 
Yeah. I better get a photo and an autograph for that 30 bucks, though. Ironically enough, though, I'm willing to pay more for comic writers and artists than I am for... Celebrities? Yeah. I, I understand. So Totally. So, yeah. Uh, the trial's going on, and they have a character witness for Frank. And it was his previous... Well, one of his commanding officers. Yeah. And he goes through detail of the mission... That earned Frank the Navy Cross, I Navy believe. Cross. Yes, which is just like one step below the Medal, Medal of Honor. Honor. We find out some details about Frank in war, by the way. Yes. Frank k- killed a lot of people in war. Frank killed a guy. Frank killed with, 32 people. With a trident. Yes. 32 people. Saved his whole squad. Yeah. Including the CEO on the stand. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Frank killed 32 people, and apparently he was pretty jovial about it. Yeah, and then we have the uh, the DA steps on a big landmine. Oh yeah, she walks right into that. She's uh, ramping up her defense, and then gets shut down by the the colonel right away. Yep, saying tried know, to tried to you know how do you, how do you know about this because you weren't there? Oh 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 oh! oh. I was his commanding officer there. Yes. I'm the one who got them into the mess they were in, and Frank yeah. got us out, and he deserves the Medal of Honor. And then the rest of the episode, as far as the courtroom stuff goes, is decidedly in Nelson and Murdoch's favor. Well, up until... Let me stop you right there. As soon as that scene happened with Karen saying to Frank, you got to take the stand, I immediately just went, no. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what happened when he was going to take the plea for you? And he totally said... I'm not guilty. Remember when you were going to yeah. plea him out and, and, and he totally spit in that woman's face? Yeah. In front of you? Lied to you? Well, it, apparently that wasn't the original plan to have Frank take the stand, but because the outburst of the kid in the courtroom saying, he killed my dad. <laughs> He's Chris Penn? <laughs> <laughs> he killed my dad. I put that gun on my dad. Why'd you kill my dad? <laughs> I knew it was bad. Oh, Why'd you kill my dad? It made me very sad. I need Jay here now for the Chris Penn voice, but anyway, yeah. But I'm not very glad. But they could have. I don't know. I don't. That's why they haven't take the stand. I mean, come on. Whatever. Well, they clearly didn't want to do it, but they were saying that they have no other choice. They had a choice. They could. Yeah. The judge told the the jury to disregard the kid anyway. I mean, if you're does that really work? You can't, like, erase something like that from your brain. If you're an honest juror, you pay attention to the facts of the case. I mean, I get it. It's emotional. Yeah. I understand. But still, bad call putting Frank on the stand. And then Foggy, Matt, you're the only one who can do it. You hate him right now. And you've been doing a perfectly fine job. Yes. Now, granted, in Voggy's defense, he said, listen, there are things that he's good at and there are things that I'm good at. Sure. That's why we're partners. Yes. And I can understand that. I get Just it. Just like our arrangement here. There are things that you're good at and there are things that I'm good at. I, I get it. But like... This is just a bad... This is a whole comedy of errors happening on the defense right now. I think it just gets worse by the fact that Matt doesn't so much question Frank as he sounds like he's making his closing statement. Uh, uh, well, that... And, and um, can I... So Matt, Matt's given this speech, essentially, right? Here's what I want to know. Who's talking there? Is that Matt talking or is that Daredevil talking? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like... Matt's basically trying to justify his own actions. He's like confessing almost of like what he does without actually confessing what yeah. he does. Because I think 
this because a couple episodes ago we had uh, Daredevil letting Mahoney take the credit for the Frank Castle bus. Yes. He's like, the cops have to be the ones with the power. It can't be the vigilantes. Right. Now, I think after an experience with the hand, he sees what he's up against. He realizes the cops can't handle that. Yes. And that he, and to a certain extent, Frank, are needed. Uh, yeah. So I And think he kind of says Frank is needed. He's yeah. misguided, but he's needed. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, and I... I have one nitpick about this episode. Okay. And it happens in this this courtroom scene. Um, last time I checked, a courtroom was not the same as a WWE crowd in that I don't believe you're allowed to have signs. Signage? Yeah, yeah. In yeah. the courtroom. I saw that. I was like, what? No. Uh, hey, man. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So... It's, it's it's for effect. Yeah, I know, but still. Uh, so Frank takes Dan. He listens to Matt Spiel. But before Matt starts questioning Frank, Matt picks up a little something that the cop says to Frank when he places him on the stand. Yeah. And that's like, you know, you know what's good for you, make the right decision thing, something along those lines. Sure. And in a great curveball by the show... Everybody's thinking this has something to do with Reyes. Mm-hmm. That the D, since the DA is trying to cover something up, but it's really something else, which we'll get to at the end of the episode. But Frank just goes ahead and, and torpedoes his own case. Well, I don't think he appreciated everyone trying to paint him as like, and, and I have I have this written down too. Cause they they go in the beginning. They're talking about the bullet that he took to the head and all that. They, the show seems to kind of want to make you question Frank's motives and make you think like, well, you know, his superpower, if you will, is that he's, I, I, for lack of yeah. a better term, uh, is that he's got some kind of brain damage or that he, you know, is reliving trauma all the time and that's why he's the Punisher. Well, thankfully, the show corrects its... Well, Frank forcefully corrects everyone yeah. on the stand and says, like, you think I have problems? You think I don't know what I, I, I'm capable of? I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'll do it again, and I'm going to keep doing it. You want the Punisher? I am the Punisher. Yeah. O- okay. Just a friggin' fantastic moment in the episode. And then, you know, the case is done. Like, there's yeah. no recovering from this. No, Frank, sorry, buddy, you're guilty. You're going away for a while. Foggy's pissed at Matt. Karen's Lost the case in grand fashion. For all intents and purposes, Nelson and Murdoch is ceasing to exist at this point. Yes, they blame Matt for blowing up. Well, they yeah. blame Matt for basically, like, being hostile to Frank and causing him to go off the rails. Yeah. Which is debatable. Yeah. Um, so we follow Frank. To prison. He's going to prison. Which, putting the Punisher and Gen Pop in prison is like putting me in an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet. <laughs> it's it's kind of where he wants to be. It's, it's going to end better for me than it is for them. Yeah. Please, sir, please don't take the serving trays. <laughs> Do they sound like the actions of a man who had... All he could eat. And and what did, Mrs. Simpson, what did you do when the restaurant kicked you out? We drove around all night looking for another all-you-can-eat fish restaurant. And when you couldn't find another all-you-can-eat restaurant? We went fishing. 
one of the most brilliant <laughs> sequences ever yes. on that show. It really is. <laughs> if it please the court, can we show the jury how much shrimp Mr. Simpson ate? <laughs> Tis no man. Tis a bottomless eating machine. Thousands of letters, all written to Santa Claus. Oh, you want the people versus Satan? Down the call. Ah, Phil Hartman, man, I miss you. Oh, anyway, anyway, yeah. So, so Frank goes to jail, and said cop who was it the same cop? Yeah, same cop. Instead of going, you know, where he's where Frank's supposed to go, I guess, into Gen Pop, they take him aside and take him out to the to the yard. Turn off security cameras. They turned off the security cameras. That's not going to bode well. No. Now, here's my thought: if they were, I've, I've watched enough Oz to know that this is yeah, this you're, you're going to get killed, buddy. End. Um, but if they were going to kill him, they would have left him shackled. I think. Yeah. So they unshackle him and take him out to the yard. So at this point, when you first saw the episode, are you starting to get the chills? Are you starting to think? What? Honestly, I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, what the hell? Really? No, I had no idea. Wow. None. So I was like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And then... How much you bench, bro? Wilson Fisk shows up. I marked hard when I first saw this episode. Because I, again, like, I, like, like yeah. I said with the lecture, dude, I did not know that he was coming back. Yeah. Oh, he's back. He's back. In convict form. Uh-huh. Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio, Wilson Fisk the Kingpin, is back. And he Yay. wants to have a little chat with Frank. Yes. And that's where our episode ends. Yeah. That's, uh, that's exciting. This was a great episode. Nitpick. Just, yes. Just so, so you know, I, I read this um, from uh, Prisoner Letters. Um, in prison, the uh, they don't have free weight... Uh, uh, weights. Well, yeah, it can be used as a weapon. Exactly. So those that 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 bench that he was using—that's for effect. They didn't. Well, Wilson Fisk. Maybe he can, pulls some strings. Can get what he wants because he was putting up a lot of weight. But they don't have individual plates in prison. They're all preset. They're all pre-measured uh, bars because they don't so, want they don't want people putting them on a towel and beating the crap out of you with yeah. them. Yeah. There, there were anyway. There were five discs on each end of that bar. Yeah. Do the math. It's forty-five a plate, dude. Uh, and the bar weighs 45 so he, he benches more than i can uh, yeah yeah I'm, I'm willing to bet he benches more than basically anyone yeah it, it's, a, it's a show <laughs> it's just a show all right good stuff yeah good great stuff. episode i mean it's a, a lot of action in this episode um and the courtroom stuff kind of goes by pretty quickly but you're getting again you get you get the basically Frank dropping any visage of like, I don't know, I don't want to call it humanity, but I think you, you get to see who he really is here. And this is the true Punisher, the guy who knows exactly what he's doing, and he's going to keep doing it, and you're not going to stop him, period. Yep. And you get the kingpin back, and you have Matt's life falling apart, like it does. Like, like it tends to do. Matt's only allowed little blips of happiness. That, that's, that's kind of the character's yeah. staple. And then you get the big escalation of the the war with the with the hand, which spoilers the the defenders is going to kind of pick up on too. Hope so. So yeah, yeah. Because the hand have been even they're they're one of the bright spots in in Iron Fist. So having the hand back, sure. They're there. <laughs> they are there. 
Yes, they are. All right, dear listeners, that brings us to an end of our episode of Devil's Due. As always, we thank you for joining us. Um, closing argument, uh, second week in a row, we haven't had any answers to the question. Then perhaps it's time to retire. Yeah. We we will uh, retool and... We're getting enough uh, during the cross-examination yeah. where I'm pretty yeah. happy, so it's all good. Well, uh, we'll retool the concept of clo- closing argument. You know. I think someone once suggested, you know, Drew should have a segment, What Grinds My Gears? Dude, my response we'd was, be here all day. My response was, have you listened to any <laughs> other episode at any given time? Now, now. Be nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm not being mean. I'm just being factual. Fair enough. <laughs> all right, folks. If you want to ask us some questions, uh, find out anything, find out more about anything you heard on the show, make suggestions about the show, by all means, send us your queries at the following resources. You can follow us on Twitch at Devil's Due Pod. You Twitch? Can to, We're streaming now? Twitch. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, though. You know, I've kind of been kicking around an idea of maybe, like, uh, our game nights. I think, you know, a way of kind of, I don't know, maybe recording one or, hmm, I don't know, something. Something to get us out into the, the visual medium a little more. Oh, I don't know if people are ready for that. Well, you know. <laughs> You're 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 the looks of the operation. Oh God! Especially with you going to the game and all. Oh, I'm falling apart though. Okay. So if you would like to find us on Twitter, you can go to at Devils Do Pod. You can go to Facebook.com/slash Devils Do Pod. You can email us at the Devils Do Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources on the Devils Do Podcast.com. Once again, special thank you to our guest Brian Stoyle. We hope to see you. Uh, many of you at the Star Wars Bison's Night. Yes. I will happily accept uh, a craft brew from all of you. Please, by all means, buy me a beer. Please, someone buy McCor's Light. Uh, do you want the listeners to wear it? Because they will. <laughs> so, folks, we appreciate you as always. Review us on iTunes. Retweet, share our new episode post. It helps out so much. Until... Meet again. Court is a